0: way. In glowing sentences he painted a picture of Animal Farm as it might be when sordid labour was lifted from the animals' backs. Until now the animals had been about equally divided in their sympathies but in a moment Snowball's eloquence had carried them away. In glowing sentences he painted a picture of Animal Farm as it might be when the sordid labour was lifted from the animals' backs. His imagination had now run far beyond chaff cutters and turnip slicers. Electricity, he said, could operate threshing machines, ploughs, harrows, rollers and reapers and binders, besides supplying every stool with its own electric light, hot and cold water and an electric heater. By the time he had finished speaking, there was no doubt as to which way the vote would go. But just at this moment, Napoleon stood up and... Casting a peculiar sidelong look at snowball uttered a high-pitched whimper of a kind no one had ever heard him utter before. At this, there was a terrible baying sound outside, and nine enormous dogs wearing brass-studded collars came bounding into the barn. They dashed straight for Snowball, who only sprang from his place just in time to escape their snapping jaws. In a moment, he was out of the door and they were after him. Too amazed and frightened to speak, all the animals crowded through the door to watch the chase. Snowball was racing along the long pasture that led to the road. He was running as only a pig can run, but the dogs were certainly close on his heels. Suddenly he slipped, and it seemed certain that they had him. Then he was up again, running faster than ever. Then the dogs were gaining on him again. One of them all but closed his jaws on Snowball's tail, but Snowball whisked it free just in time. Then he put on an extra spurt and, with a few inches to spare, slipped through a hole in the hedge and was seen no more. Silent and terrified, the animals crept back into the barn. In a moment, the dogs came bounding back. At first, no one had been able to imagine where these creatures came from, but the problem was soon solved. They were the puppies whom Napoleon had taken away from their mothers and reared privately. Though not yet full-grown, they were huge dogs, and as fierce-looking as wolves, they kept close to Napoleon. It was noticed that when they wagged their tails to him, in the same way that the other dogs had used to do with Mr. Jones. Napoleon, with the dogs following him, now mounted onto the raised portion of the floor where Major had previously stood to deliver his speech. He announced that from now on, Sunday morning meetings would come to an end. They were unnecessary, he said, and wasted time. In future, all questions relating to the working of the farm would be settled by a special committee of pigs, presided over by himself. These would meet in private and afterwards communicate their decisions to the others. The animals would assemble on Sunday mornings to salute the flag, sing Beasts of England and receive their orders for the week. But there would be no more debates. In spite of the shock that Snowball's expulsion had given them, the animals were dismayed by this announcement. Several of them would have protested if they could have found the right arguments. Even Boxer was vaguely troubled. His ears set back, he shook his forelong several times and tried hard to marshal his thoughts, but in the end he could not think of how to say anything. Some of the pigs themselves, however, were more articulate – Four young porkers in the front row uttered shrill squeals of disapproval, and all four of them sprang to their feet and began speaking at once. But suddenly the dogs sitting round Napoleon let out deep, menacing growls, and the pigs fell silent and sat down again. Then the sheep broke into a tremendous bleating of four legs good, two legs bad, which went on for nearly a quarter of an hour and put an end to any chance of discussion. Afterwards, Squealer was sent round the farm to explain the new arrangement to the others. "'Comrades,' he said, "'I trust that every animal here appreciates the sacrifice that Comrade Napoleon has made in taking this extra labour upon himself.' "'Do not imagine, comrades, that leadership is a pleasure. On the contrary, it is a deep and heavy responsibility. No one believes more firmly than Comrade Napoleon that all animals are equal.' "'He would only be too happy to let you make your decisions for yourself. "'But sometimes you might make the wrong decision, comrades, "'and there, where should we be? "'Suppose you decided to follow Snowball, "'with his moonshine of windmills. "'Snowball, who, as we now know, was no better than a criminal.' "'He fought bravely at the Battle of the Cowshed,' said somebody. "'Bravery is not enough,' said Squealer. Loyalty and obedience are more important, and that's to the Battle of the Cowshed. I believe that time will come when we shall find that Snowball's part in it was much exaggerated. Discipline, comrades, iron discipline, that is the watchword for today. One false step and our enemies will be upon us. Surely, comrades, you do not want Jones back. Once again, this argument was unanswerable. Certainly the animals did not want Jones back. If the holding of debates on Sunday mornings was liable to bring him back, then the debates must stop. Boxer, who had now had time to think things over, voiced the general feeling by saying, If Comrade Napoleon says it, it must be right. And from then on he adopted the maxim, Napoleon is always right, in addition to his private motto of, I will work harder. By this time the weather had broken and the spurring ploughing had begun. The shed where Snowball had drawn up his plans of the windmill had been shut and it was assumed that the plans had been rubbed off the floor. Every Sunday morning at ten o'clock the animals assembled in the big barn to receive their orders for the week. The skull of Old Major, now clean of flesh, had been disinterred from the orchard and set up on a stump at the foot of the flagship beside the gun. After the hoisting of the flag, the animals were required to file past the skull in a reverent manner before entering the barn. Nowadays, they did not all sit together as they had done in the past. Napoleon, with squealer and another pig named Minimus, who had a remarkable gift for composing songs and poems, sat on the front of the raised platform, with the nine young dogs forming a semicircle around them, and the other pigs sitting beside behind. Sorry. The rest of the animals sat facing them in the main body of the barn. Napoleon read out the orders for the week in a gruff, solitary style, and after singing Beasts of England, all the animals dispersed. On the third Sunday after Snowball's expulsion, the animals were somewhat surprised to hear Napoleon announce that the windmill was to be built after all. He did not give any reason for having changed his mind, but merely warned the animals that this extra task would mean very hard work. It might even be necessary to reduce their rations. The plan, however, had all been prepared, down to the last detail. A special committee of pigs had been at work upon them for the past three weeks. The building of the windmill, with various other improvements, was expected to take two years. "'That evening, Squealer explained privately to the other animals "'that Napoleon had never in reality been opposed to the windmill. "'On the contrary, it was he who had advocated it in the beginning, "'and the plan which Snowball had drawn on the floor of the incubator shed "'was actually stolen from among Napoleon's papers. "'The windmill was, in fact, Napoleon's own creation.' "'Why then?' asked somebody. "'Had he spoken so strongly against it?' "'Here, Squealer looked very shy.' That, he said, was comrade Napoleon's cunning. He had seemed to oppose the windmill simply as a manoeuvre to get rid of Snowball, who was a dangerous character and a bad influence. Now that Snowball was out of the way, the plan could go forward without his interference. This, said Squealer, was something called tactics. He repeated a number of times, tactics, comrades, tactics, skipping round and whisking his tail with a merry laugh. The animals were not certain what this word meant, but Squealer spoke it so persuasively and the three dogs who happened to be with him growled so threateningly that they accepted his explanation without further questions.